California has become the first state to limit the use of productivity quotas in warehouses by companies like Amazon. Some say they increase workplace injuries and decrease worker morale. Governor Gavin Newsom signed the new law saying it will protect workers and give them, quote, the dignity, respect, and safety they deserve. The new law takes effect January 1st. We've seen the videos of fights breaking out in midair when passengers are told to wear face masks. Aviation industry leaders will testify today on Capitol Hill about the record surge in violence during the pandemic. FAA Administrator Steve Dixon implemented the zero tolerance policy. He tells CBS's Earl Barnett. The fines that we have publicized over a million dollars in fines so far uh, and the communication that we've done with the public have driven those rates down, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Unruly fans and abuse the problem for high schools and colleges trying to hire sports refs. Bernie Dolan with West Virginia's Secondary School Activities Commission. For whatever reason, people think that they have paid their money for the ticket and they get to say whatever they want. S&P futures are up 25. Dow futures ahead, 215. This is CBS News. Worried about getting COVID? Vaccines may not be enough. Detect fever, the leading sign of COVID, with the Exogen Temporal Scanner. Learn more at exogen.com. You're ready to get out and get moving. And whether it's surfing, playing tennis, or hiking every path you can find, you're going to need some essential new gear. Essentials that are even more rewarding with the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. You can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which could increase to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding and apply now. The essentials have never felt more rewarding. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Ready for an oil change? Visit the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to get everything you need. Right now, get five parts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil for just $28.95 and earn double O rewards points with your purchase. Protect your engine against sludge and wear with Mobile One full synthetic motor oil. On sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. College students are trying to help save Florida's vanishing coral reefs. College interns like Michaela Davies are part of an underwater pilot program to save coral reefs southwest of Key West. And learning how to identify these predatory species out on the reefs and also how to safely remove them and collect that data. Marine science professor Dr. Jason Spadaro is with the College of the Florida Keys and says removing those predatory snails also helps scientists learn more about the long-term process. Where this effort is, how much effort was expended and how much uh, area we've been able to cover. Other dangers include climate change, overfishing, and pollution. Peter King, CBS News, Orlando. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are making their first trip to New York City since they relocated to California. They're scheduled to visit the observatory at One World Trade Center, former site of the Twin Towers today, with Mayor de Blasio and Governor Hochul. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. The pandemic's reminded us we live in a sea of airborne germs that can assault us with every breath. Your nose is the body's first line of defense by helping filter out allergens, bacteria, and viruses before they reach your lungs. So how do you clean your nose? Navage uses powered suction to flush out mucus and germs that cause congestion or worse, can make you sick. Over 2 million people use Navage to breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. Go to Navage.com or find Navage at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bed Bath, and Target. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for video, phone, chat, and conference rooms. Zoom enables real-time collaboration no matter where your teams are. Global enterprises trust the easy-to-use, reliable, and secure Zoom platform to power high-performance teams. Empower your workforce with Zoom. Save 15% on meetings, chat, and phone with a Zoom United bundle. Visit zoom.com slash bundle. Zoom, how the world connects. I'm Brandy. You may know me as a branch manager, but I'm also a volunteer and a band mom. At Park National Bank, we're more than our job titles, and you're more than an account number. You get personal attention and direct access to a caring, compassionate banker who respects and responds to your needs and goals. Find Brandy or a banker near you at parknationalbank.com. Park National Bank, where you mean more. Member FDIC, parknationalbank.com. 
quality. You hear that word a lot in commercials, but there's one business in town whose quality and prices are unsurpassed. I'm talking about Minuteman Press on Washington Street right next door to the Donkey Cafe, uptown. You see, Minuteman Press is a hybrid. First, it's a full-service sheet-fed press where they can create great art to meet your needs that the other places are simply unable to do. And they're also a complete copy shop as well. Minuteman Press on Washington between Court and Congress, 593-7393. That's 593-7393. Athens travels to Logan for their Week 6 matchup as the rivalry continues between the Bulldogs and the Chieftains. Athens Bulldog Football on the radio is sponsored by Stop and Cop, CD Hardware and Outdoors, Matthews Insurance, Brony's Alumni Grill, Integrated Services, Wendy's, Donato's, Steak and Shake, Larry's Doghouse, and Siemens Grocery. Tune in to 970 AM, 97.1 FM, or online at 970WATH.com for all the Bulldog football action this year. My name is Micah. I'm the Dementia Inclusive Coordinator and Project Specialist for Athens County Cares. I became involved with this project because I want members of my community to have access to the resources they need. My father-in-law had dementia. He and my mother-in-law moved in with us. As caregivers, we struggled to find information and resources to help him and us. The Athens County Care Consultation Program is what I wish we had when we were caring for him. For more information, visit AthensCountyCares.org. Hey, it's Moots. We'll learn about car clubs in Canada and we'll peek inside the NASCAR Hall of Fame. That's Auto Smarts Friday afternoon at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. These days we're all doing a lot more virtually, which is why at Ohio Health, we've expanded our virtual care options and availability to make it even easier to get safe expert care at home. That includes virtual visits with over a 1,000 trusted providers in every medical specialty. Learn more about our virtual health options at ohiohealth.com slash virtual health. Join Kevin Dunnigan and Troy Bowen all season long for the Hewite Honda Football Friday Night Post Game Show. Immediately after the Athens County Game of the Week, join the guys for analysis, information, entertainment, and giveaways throughout the show. Have a question about a game in the area? Driving back from a football game? Call in at 740-592-1055 or toll free at 1-888-592-1055. It's the Hewite Honda Football Friday Night Post Game Show. Friday nights on 105.5 FM, Power 105. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Athens. Ah, September 23rd. Not even 24 hours into fall. That's right, 321 yesterday. Fall began, the season fall. It's our monthly update with the mayor of Athens. Steve Patterson's here, right in the studio. Fifty-three degrees outside. I'm wearing a flannel shirt this morning. And our highest, they're saying today, 62. I have to go to Columbus this afternoon, and uh, that's all right. The car is comfortable. All right. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. Welcome. And uh, let's see here. Um, golly, I have got a long list here of things, and, and I don't want to make one sound like it's more important. That's why I'm doing it first. They're just all important, right? right? Um, I hear you. The first thing I had <laughs> jotted down was arts, parks, and recreation. Okay, so um, the the uh, woman who was the director there, um, I can't think of her name, doesn't matter. The point is uh, she's gone. And um, now you're doing a search? Uh, we did conduct a search <clears throat> and uh, have made an offer to an individual. And uh, now it's working its way through council because the individual counter offered my offer with asking for more than what I can uh, offer to the individual. And uh, so it's uh, in 
city council's court in terms of being able to uh, pay her what she had counteroffered for. Okay. Right. So you made her, well, okay, so it sounds a little complicated, but so um, do we have any hunch whether council is uh, cool with what's going on or not? Uh, nothing at this point in time. Um, we'll see on October 7th. Okay. Let's move on to the census. Yeah. Um, I did a preliminary report um, in my own style, that is to say, a spreadsheet and all that. Which I'm famous for. Um, you are. <laughs> and um, I was taking the information that I was given by um, uh, Chris, oh, cheese guy. Come on, help me. Uh, Chris, our county Schmiel. commissioner. Count, count Chris Schmiel. There we go. County commissioner. And, um, well, what's your impression? Well, let me tell you my impression. Um, the numbers were released, uh, oh, I don't remember, a month ago maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we were looking at, there's several different things. You know, the last Diennial Census, 2010, our official population count was 23,832 citizens in Athens. And then from 2010, you know, you get into the, the next nine years, and they, they, they have an estimate as to what your population is, but it's purely an estimate. It's based on several factors, birth rates, death rates, uh, influx of uh, international uh, individuals into your community or uh, an exodus of them. You know, they, they monitor all these things and then they create an estimate as to what your population is. The estimate for Athens as of 2019 was 24,800 and something. Um, and uh, so we were really hopeful mm -hmm. that with pre-COVID, we were hopeful, 2019, we were hopeful that the city of Athens was going to exceed 25,000. When that happens, the it triggers the city having to redraw our own ward districts, our wards, and create a fifth ward as well as having a fourth at-large council member. Well, the numbers came out and it's, it showed as the official count for 2020 being 23,849. So a thousand they, less than the project, project, projection. That's right, a thousand less than estimated and it means that there's a, a grand total increase in the city's population of 17 individuals. Um, I. Uh, I'm seriously questioning those counts due to the pandemic having been a major disruptor in the city of Athens. Um, and just to, to, I don't think it's just Athens. As a matter of fact, I know it's not just Athens. I am the uh, president-elect for the International Town Gown Association. And that's an international group of Mayors, council member, city council members, village council members, um, city, our university and college administrators, and we, we get together. Uh, there's usually an annual conference, but I keep in touch with a lot of, of different mayors uh, and city officials that have, both large and small universities or colleges sure. in them, and kind of tracking with them as well. Um, and I also serve on the. National League of Cities University Communities Council, um, which kind of has a, a very similar mission, uh, and I'm the chair of that group. And I'm hearing it from those circles as well that a lot of college towns with the loss of their student population due to the pandemic, having to switch to online instruction and students by and large leaving those communities. Mm -hmm. you know, some stayed, sure, if they lived off campus and they chose to, but a lot went home. And that made the enumeration process extremely difficult, even with the, the changes that uh, the, the Census Bureau made in terms of when the deadlines would be for enumeration. And to me, it also felt like that goalpost kept moving. You know, initially we were told enumeration would take place through October 30th. And then 
uh, a few weeks, maybe a month later, the Census Bureau came back and said, well, we're going to readjust that and make it October 15th instead. So we lost two weeks of counting. Uh, we had some successes, though, in in lobbying with the Census Bureau in that there's what's called group group quarters enumerations where things like the residence halls on campus at OU and elsewhere across the nation, the university is able to put forward the head count in residence halls. Um, but, the, you know, years ago, I remember um, being in charge of the census one time. And, you know, um, Joel Rudy was dean of students. So we'd sit down, and this was in a public meeting, and we say, okay, how many people do you have in this hall? And then we'd look at the census as how many people they had counted in that hall. And the figures never jived. Right. Or, you know, they were always off one way or the other a bit. And in a few cases, more than just a bit. Now, um, you know, a, a student can, when they're filling that out, they can put down... Lakewood, Ohio. Right, <laughs> right. And when, they're, but they're not supposed they're, to. They're, when they're living in Athens right. at that moment. Right, right. Um, and see, the, the real challenge for a lot of college towns is that you have group quarters, if you want to think of these large multi-unit apartment complexes. Yet the way the Census Bureau does it is, no, we have to knock on every single door and get someone to you know, who hasn't been counted to make sure they're counted. And um, we were able to, like I said, lobby the Census Bureau to treat places like the summit at Coates Run mm -hmm. as a group enumeration if the manager of that complex would just provide us with the names sure. uh, and individuals who were there. Well, they, they did allow for that. But the odd thing is, Dave, is when now I look at the the data that has come in from the census count and I look at a, an apartment complex like the Summit at Coates Run, which typically has uh, roughly 800 people living there. It's showing up in the census block, because that creates a census block, is zero. Well, how is that zero? So, <laughs> Dave, we've got a, a lot of research that uh, my, my city planner, way. Paul Logue, is digging into mm -hmm. Um, a lot of other organizations across the state, the Ohio Mayor's Alliance, I presented to them last week up in Columbus about our census count. And the mayor of Finley, Ohio, is is very interested in the process we're going through because uh, Mayor Mirren uh, of Finley, she she feels that Finley, Ohio, was undercount. Their population dropped mm. um, when they got their numbers. So it's a big concern. Well, now... Let's just say, uh, you, you mentioned if we were to hit the 25,001, uh, there'd be a f um, an additional ward and an additional at-large member and all that sort of thing. I don't care about that. What I want to know about is what does it really mean for the city? Does it put us in a different financial position whereby... Uh, different grants and things like that could be applied for, and um, well, you get it. I do, I do. So to that question, we have been extremely successful with the Ohio Department of Transportation small cities grants. <laughs> the small city grants are only the only applicants are those whose population is less than twenty five thousand. Okay. This would take us out of that category and put us into a category, mid-sized cities category, and we'd be in, you know, competing for grant funding against larger cities, um, which is fine. Now, is that good or is that tougher? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's an unknown because we're not there, um, Dave. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that as to whether that makes it more difficult or, okay. or what. Uh, but I think it's still based upon the type of project. You know, we got small cities grant for. The uh, Stimson Avenue roundabout in 1804 way, you know, we've gotten small city grants for a number of different projects. But mm. anyway, so that's one thing. The other thing that's, I think, more troubling to me is with your census count comes the allocations for things like community development block grants. Mm -hmm. um, 
as well as funding that goes to your school districts and funding that goes to jobs and family services. Uh, it, with with this, it's going to produce with 17 additional uh, citizens under the current count for 2020. It it's going to slightly, and I say slightly, bump up the revenue that we will be getting. Uh, but nowhere near what we would be getting if our count were to become, you know, 25,000, even if our count was to stay at 24,842 or whatever, uh, the 2019 estimate, we'd still see a substantial increase in CDBG funding. So, yeah, that's that to me is the the not pleasant picture. Um, and we're going to go through one of two processes, Dave, that that cities can do that a mayor can um, contest it or challenge it through what's called the census estimate challenge um, that can only be used though when the in the estimate population years so 2022 through 2029 the other thing is what's called the count question resolution and that's where you are basically challenging the Census Bureau. You have to demonstrate that a mistake was made in the count in your community. Um, that's the one that we're exploring right now to see if we can demonstrate. What's going to be hard, Dave, is we showed that we we grew in population by 17 people. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. Um, again. Now, wait a minute. The final report, as of this moment, says we grew by 17? 17 people. <laughs> Since 2010. Okay. <laughs> so uh, roughly, uh, what, you know, one one point one point one person a year. Uh, I bet I could find 17 <laughs> more people just in each dorm. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, that have probably said um, they lived in Medina or they lived in, you know, their parents' locations when it's not supposed to be that way for the college students. That's true. All right. <clears throat> well. Ah, uh, the census. If you need any help, let me know. <laughs> Dave, I will be calling you after the show. Sewer extension. We've been talking about that, it seems like, for years. But, boy, they've been, uh, some dirt's been flying. Yeah, it has been flying out there. Uh, you know, I drove out <clears throat> Sunday, I believe it was. Uh, it was Sunday. Um, I drove out to Lake Snowden mm -hmm. because I was asked to judge at the Papa Papa Baked Goods or Food Judging Contest, which I've done for the for many years now with Chris Riddle and with uh, Davey McNally, and and there was other judges there as well. There were seven of us, and uh, on the drive out there, yeah, I always look over and notice, you know, along uh, fifty. You know, yep. the work that's being done. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. There is dirt slinging. Wonder Hills, there's a lot going up in the Wonder Hills area. There's a well, lot. It's, it's amazing to me how how much is being done underground without disturbing the surface. Uh, and they have to, of course. There's highways. There's, you know what I mean. I do. All sorts of things. And then also that local organizations like the church out there have, you know, just on a temporary basis allowed them to store concrete fixtures and things like that until they get placed in the ground. I saw that. A lot of, lot of uh, cooperation going on out there. And this, of course, will take that, oh, what's the name of that road? Radford. Radford. And uh, link that all into the city's sewer system. And uh, so the completion date is expected to be. Oh, gosh, Dave. I think it's... More than a year? 2023. Okay. Uh, and oh. it's phased. There's eight phases to this project. Really? Really. Um, the What we're seeing is phase one through four, which is kind of being done in block. Uh, and it is that 50 corridor, as you mentioned. And it'll start going down Radford Road as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's uh, phase five, I believe, um, uh, uh, that they that went out to bid. I don't know where that stands. And then there's the remaining phases, and they would those phases would capture things like the run that'll go down Dairy Lane and tie into our sewer system. So it's a loop, right? It it is a loop, and it goes the loop goes all the way around to 56. Yeah, and then 
back into the city again. So it'll bring about, I think it's uh, well over 1,100 taps into the sewer system. So, Okay, now, sewer system. This brings up an interesting thing that I didn't know, but I learned about recently. Our sewer system has, um, for a while now, had a, a testing point at the main uh, place there behind the city pool. But now they have four or five other testing points here and there in the sewer system. What are they testing? <laughs> good, They're good, testing. Good. They're testing uh, the coronavirus viral load in our sewer system. Uh, that's amazing. It is amazing. Is I mean, I've I've never heard that spoken about anywhere on the news or anything. Now, have I been living in the shadows or what? <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. Okay, I'm so other cities I'm sure doing this too, right? There are. Uh, there's a number of them in Ohio. I don't know the exact number, but the city of Athens was one that was selected to have this technology put, as you just said, at the head of the sewer plant. So it was receiving all sewage from everywhere yeah, as it yeah. comes in. And it was being sampled. Uh, and that's been in place, oh, I want to say for a good six, maybe eight months and just monitoring Amazing. the COVID-19, right? And that was... Uh, okay, so folks, you know how... One, uh, let's see, when when they call that uh, um, thing where they... Ex check your colon, that uh, operation, or not operation. Yeah, but colonoscopy. Colonoscopy, there we go. You know how uh, some doctors will also have you um, send a sample, right? Right. In a sealed container, and they mail it away. And then based upon the results of that, I had to do one of these recently, um, and my test came back uh, very good. So they thought they could maybe not have to do uh, the actual colonoscopy, colonoscopy right, for right, another right. Um, few years, maybe. Okay, now, well, this same stuff that's flowing through our sewer lines can get tested, and out of that they can determine, um, to some degree, the the how prone we are to... COVID. Right. Or to show, it, it gives you the, the viral load sampling, uh, and it's really fascinating, and unlike a colonoscopy, which is a long camera. Uh, <laughs> this is not that. This is uh, auto samplers uh, that collect a 24-hour sample of this, you know, uh, all the sewage as it's flowing through the system. Yeah. And um, Karen Kashigano, Dr. Karen Kashigano, at Ohio University, uh, who's a professor of molecular and cellular biology, they run the assay and do the testing of these samples as they come in. And I, I'm saying samples because we have three additional sample sites now in the city, and they've been in operation since August because we got a grant. When I found out and learned more about the system at the, at the head of the sewer plant, I said, well, that's great. You know, that if we can look at this and identify if we're going to have a spike seven days or four to seven days in the future of COVID-19 in the city. You know, that's just that doesn't that tells me that, but it doesn't tell me where. And so we applied for a grant uh, and received a, a grant from what's called the CDBG coronavirus grant to get the money for three more sample sites. So now we have a sampling site. Uh, at the Richland Avenue sewer lift station. We have one at the Depot Street lift station. Let me back up for a minute. The Richland Avenue one is capturing basically the south side of the city. Mm -hmm. Depot is capturing the west side of the city. And then we have one down at uh, on uh, Home Street. And near, we call it the library sample site. And it's capturing the north and east side of the city so now we have a little bit more granular ideas to what's going on and uh you know i get these reports once if not twice a week and um, you know what's troubling is there it was identified that there's a 12-fold increase in the viral load 
um, at the Richland Avenue sample site over last Mondays. Um, and so now is a good opportunity, you know, to, to what that tells us is since this data came in from yesterday's sample, you know, we could anticipate, you know, in four to seven days, an increase in cases on the south side of the city. The thing to share with everyone who's listening is to just remember to be extremely careful. Wear a face mask. Get vaccinated if you're eligible to get the vaccine. It's safe. It's free. It's effective. Um, you know, I got my vaccine, fully vaccinated for quite a while now, as has my wife. Um, not to digress too far, but it's it's worth sharing. Um, you know, the unvaccinatable group right now is individuals age 11 and under. And unfortunately, you know, shortly after school started up again, um, for my daughters anyway, who are in uh, um, the uh, middle school? Uh, well, they're fourth grade. Um, That'd be elementary still. Well, they've changed it. Uh, well, that's right. Yeah, they have. Yeah, it's it's pre, like grades... pre-K through three, yeah. and then four through six, and seven and eight, and uh, then I high school. It. I'm confused. <laughs> Me too. Okay. <laughs> anyway. anyway, they're in a school. <laughs> anyway, they are, and uh, unfortunately, you know, two weeks ago, uh, actually longer than that, um, one of my twin daughters... Um, you know, got sick in the middle of the night, uh, uh, sick to her stomach. Um, and we just said, you know, we should do the um, antigen test on her. Um, and lo and behold, she tested positive, mm. uh, which led to an extremely tearful day um, for the entire family and working through things. Uh, Connie and I, my wife and I, and um, uh uh, my and both of our twins immediately went into quarantine, and and the one who tested positive went into isolation, uh, which is not an easy thing to do when you have twins. No. Let me tell you, any children uh, that are close, it it's very difficult me. to do. So yeah. we went through that, and you know, knowing that if one of them had tested positive, uh, and it takes time to incubate and all that stuff. There's just no way that the other one wasn't going to test positive. And four days later, we tested my other daughter, and she tested positive as well. My wife and I went and had a uh, the PCR test done, which is the more um, detailed test, I guess. Uh, and uh, we both came back testing negative. Um, because we both had been vaccinated and there we didn't have any breakthrough uh, in our household thank goodness and uh, but anyway the short story uh, but <laughs> it became quite the challenge for uh, 14 plus days uh, but, but but you know too late for yours but um, the you know I think things are rapidly changing and these younger people are going to now start to be able to have a vaccine. Um, the booster shots. You know, my wife got her third. Great. Uh, Great. But, but she has um, additional health issues. Um, some people we know, if their spouse has additional health issues, then they're allowed the third. They didn't allow me yet, but I think maybe next week. But... You know, pretty soon we're going to have essentially everybody. Well, that's not true because there's some people that aren't going to do it because they don't believe in it. Okay, that, let's, let's, let me play with one more thing. Every day I do this report, right? Yeah. And I So think, this is the COVID report. Yeah. Okay. Athens, Ohio. We've got... Um, 6,933 cases since it all began. But if we were like the state of Ohio, we would have had 7,595. So 662 cases under what the state has for the same glob of people, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I think that's something to still be proud of. And... Um, 
Now it's all just numbers and statistics, but I'm well. Dave, do you have in there the percentage of individuals in Athens County that are fully vaxxed? Yes. And so, it, as I saw it yesterday, we're still under forty-three percent. Forty-six four four as of last night. And that's for single dose, or is that for both? Now that's for at least one. At least one. Yeah. Now and, remember, if there's three vaccines, two of them require require one dose. And then the Pfizer is a two-doser. Sure. Um, but um, they're saying if you've had any dosage whatsoever, uh, we're at 46.44%. Now, the state of Ohio, 53.45%. So they're doing better than Athens. They are. And, and you know, Dave, <clears throat> to share, and I think most people have seen this, and if not, you're going to hear it now, you know, they, the Ohio University has their pathways, mm -hmm. you know, to where you either show, demonstrate that you've been vaccinated. And if you haven't been vaccinated, then you have to have a, they go down and they use Vault, do a saliva sample test every week, uh, once a week, uh, in some cases more often. However, my point with that being is that if we are at, you know, 46% of the county that is Vaxed, and again, as you said, you, it could be Johnson and Johnson, which is one dose, um, or your first shot of the series for Moderna or Pfizer. The is oh, Moderna too also. It is. I didn't know that. Okay. So the Ohio University faculty um, is showing at greater than eighty yeah, percent vaccinated. Yeah. The students living on campus greater than seventy-five percent vaccinated. Students living off campus, you know, 60 something percent. So I, I just I have to get that out there. Yep. Because I know that the university students often get thrown under the bus, you know, for mm. for things. And and I I still believe they they everyone needs to be responsible. And if you're not going to be responsible for yourself, be responsible for those around you. Wear a mask. Absolutely. Uh, I think we have a caller standing by. Good morning. Hey, guys, it's J.W. How yes, are you? Yes, sir. J.W., sir. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Um, Mr. Mayor, I just want to thank you for your transparency and um, openness. You, you didn't have to share that story about your children, and um, I'm sure it wasn't easy to share, but I, 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 I think it was necessary if you thought it was necessary, I just want to—I just want to thank you for that. That's—that's um, that's pretty uniquely special, I think. Well, thank you, Doctor Smith. I—I I felt it was just important. I still do, um, yeah. and I yeah. will continue to share that story, just because it's—it's yeah. it's one thing to, you know, kind of think about the virus and oh, I'm not going to get it, right. or I don't need to get vaccinated. It's another to to have have lived it uh, right and you know jw is it's amazing i have people that i know and i'm sure you've gone through this too who are scared to get it yeah they're scared to get the vaccine yeah well and, unfortunately it's even worse than that it's not just scared but there are people out there with the most outrageous claims it's uh it's unbelievable to me just i didn't you hear there's a word i missed there outrageous what outrageous claims oh claims okay. about the vaccine and uh yeah you know conspiracy it's 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 amazing yeah and um and and I I, I I get the sense that that's growing even more, and that's very scary. <laughs> so, but I just wanted to thank you, Mayor, for that, and I think it says a lot about you as a public servant, you know. Um, uh, and and I appreciate that leadership very much. So, well, thank you, thank you, JW. JW, we'll see you later, man. Thank Take you. Take brother. You bet. Bye -bye. All right. Now, um, you know, what about the economic impact? I mean, we got, first of all, we're concerned about people's health. 
But then we're also concerned about a community who has businesses and services and things like that. Um, you know, out here, we've been affected severely. Um, there's been some things that have come along like PPP that have helped a little bit. Um, but um, for the most part, we've, we've got to just try to eat it. Um, but um, anyway, I'm concerned about all the businesses in town and the services, you know. I mean, let's forget business. Let's talk about the fire departments or the safety personnel. You know, they, they're just as susceptible. They are. Um, well, anyway, um, the... I just want this to come to an end. Right. Let me let me go back to the economics real quick, Dave, okay. with you. Um, you know, one of the things that we saw right away in, you know, late 2020 and in early 2021 this year was the revenue that comes in for water, sewer, and trash. And all three of those you know, being separate account lines, all three of them showed uh, a deficit in terms of revenue coming in or less revenue than projected. And it's largely because of some of our larger water and sewer accounts in the city of Athens that did not have residents in the residence halls with water flowing and toilets flushing and so on and so forth. I think you get the picture that, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, you know, I, I half jokingly and half not, you know, when I talk with all my colleagues across the state and across the U.S., uh, other mayors, nobody planned for a pandemic uh, in 2019 when you're putting your, your 2020 budget together. Uh, yet you still have to pay, you know, this the city has bills to pay, too, you know, and a lot of the revenue coming from your the uh, your sewer bill. The, your water bill, your trash bill, it goes to paying the employees that work in those those arenas and uh, uh, as well as as repairs and infrastructure improvements and whatnot. Um, so you know we're we've seen a significant you know decrease in revenue in a number of different revenue lines that come into the city um, and it's directly relatable back to, COVID-19. It's completely changed topics. Dora, okay? <laughs> Dora. That from one extreme to the other, I guess. They're not extreme, but whatever. Um, Dora is something that I just think is really nice and friendly. And um, communities, um, special communities deserve it. Now, um, Folks, what we're talking about is in in most of the designated downtown. Um, you can go into one restaurant where they have alcohol, and um, pay it pay it a visit, and then go to another. And while walking the sidewalk, you can carry a cup of oh, cider or beer or whatever. Right. Right. And. Um, now, it's supposed to be a specially marked cup, I believe. It is. And um, But the point is, if you're responsible, um, you can stroll about. And um, so, what? you know, that's been in place now for, what, a couple months? We started it, I believe, the, the tail end of July okay. is when we finally got everything in place. And, you know, people may have noticed there's signage, too, uptown, uh, on lamp posts and elsewhere that basically say, you know, that that uh, beyond this point, you cannot have an alcoholic beverage because you would be leaving the Dora. But okay. uh, I, I, Dave, I've heard nothing but positives as short a run as it had this mm -hmm. year mm -hmm. uh, with the Dora. I think the other thing that one of the things we're going to see this coming summer, I believe, is an increase in the parklets. You know, so parklets yes, is another yes. interesting feature. Brennan's has a great parklet. Now Union Street Diner has a, a really nice, attractive parklet as well. 
and I kind of marvel at that one because that's on a <laughs> that's on a hill, mm-hmm. uh, but it's working. Uh, I you know I've driven by several times this week coming up um, West Union, and there's people sitting out there and enjoying breakfast or lunch or whatever. And and so what I think we'll see in 2022, uh, the summer of 2022, is more parklets, um, and then the Dora will have a full summer run next year. It'll it'll go active the uh, week after graduation, after commencement, and uh, we'll run through the summer, and then we'll be shut down uh, tail end or uh, mid to late August of 2022. And I think these parklets are really great because Wait now- Are you saying there's a season Oh, there Dora? is, there is. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that's by legislation. Um, so yeah. it's basically the summer months. It is a summer months. Okay, right? I didn't. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. A couple of things I want to get into, and we're starting to run short on time. We have about twelve minutes. Uh, Stimson Avenue. I go there uh, once or twice a day to the post office, and it's always been kind of fun each day to see what different, what's different about it. And uh, now they've got one side, um, uh, shall we say, nearly done. So they've switched everybody to that side. And um, then once the other side is nearly done, then they'll put on that final surface. Now, uh, what's the timetable? We're still looking like uh, or looking at the end of November um, as being the the final for Stimson. Now, now it, it's really it's really not the final final because the the grading and the landscaping, uh, will not happen until the spring of 2022, and that was by design to begin with. That was the, in the original plan, uh, but uh, the road surface and sidewalks, again, uh, the the plan at this point is for that to be wrapped up by November. And I want to I want to comment on something you said, Dave. What? What? Um, I I think you are probably the first person, aside from those who are avid off-road uh, vehicle drivers, you're the first one who said it's been fun. Uh, it's oh, fun when you go I up s- to steps. <laughs> <laughs> did I say it was fun? You did. Uh, it, I, I know I you meant mind. it was fun to, to watch the progress. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but once in a while, I, I find a hole or a, a, a risen uh, cap that... Uh, surprises me but i you know it's been i think the guys have worked hard down there to keep it as good as possible yeah truco really really you saw a lot of advancement when they finally put the base coat down and then they put the the mid course in as well um and as you mentioned once they do that for the south side which would be the eastbound lane once that's to that point then they put the final top coat on the whole thing and and Paint it, get the markings down. And, you know, we, we were talking about um, uptown and the, uh, what'd you call them, those little parkettes or whatever? Yeah, parklets. Parklets. Um, you know, they're shaping sidewalks. Um, the new sidewalks on Stimson are going to have some indentations that didn't have before. They are. And, um, you know, if we could throughout the city, as we deal with one street after another... Uh, have some of those that, that I think it's really unique well you know you may have noticed for people who drive down Stimson you may have noticed the concrete uh, those concrete containers that they're putting in along there those um, uh, are you know these biocells to where once everything is done we will plant um, shrubs along there and other greenery inside of those and the way they work is that water from the sidewalk sheeting off run into these the water then kind of is moves its way through that soil substrate and it's filtering out all kinds of weirdness and then the water then goes back into the storm system and it's kind of a cleaning system you know for anyone who's interested in seeing one of these we already have these in place down, down on West Union. Yeah, by the station project. That's right. Um, and they, they work, uh, and they're attractive. So that'll be, we'll see that on Stimson Avenue. The sidewalks will be ADA um, uh, accessible. 
sidewalks where they weren't before because we had we had telephone poles in the middle of sidewalks on on Stimson Avenue back in the day. And that's, again, I, I, I hate to tighten up a topic, but we have so many. The Bailey Trail System, that is, um, there's a lot of excitement about that. And now that just recently, the city got another big hoo-ha, right? Well, or the, ORCA, the, area. the Outdoor Recreation Council of Appalachia, got a, another great yahoo. They received notice that uh, they were one of, several projects across the state of Ohio uh, it, that are in the Appalachian region of Ohio that uh, received a $1.5 million grant to go towards building out trails. So, you know, you take that with the $2 million that was approved through the state budget, uh, you know, $3.5 million um, will hopefully get us the full 88 miles of mountain bike trail for the Bailey that's huge, you know, and ARC, it's the Appalachian Regional Commission, um, which is for all of the Appalachian United States, which is 13 states, uh, Ohio being among them. The the award for the Bailey was uh, the highest in the state of Ohio for the funding that came in or among the highest. Uh, cool. Yeah, it's it was great. And it's because I think the word's getting out there that this is a great project that's going to benefit, you know, way more than Athens and Athens County. This is going to benefit the region to get tourists to come down here, experience something that if you're a mountain biker and I'm, you know, working, always working with County Commissioner Chris Schmiel on other ideas. I think that we have some opportunities for uh, it to advance rock climbing uh, in Athens County. I think we have the opportunity to better access have a better access to the Hawking River. Uh, and, you know, you look at what goes on with liveries up in Hawking County, people mm-hmm. being able to float down the river. You know, we can do that here, too, and we need to. Well, we do. We just need to develop it more. We do. Correct. There's, uh, um, you know, there's a topic nationally, and I, I haven't heard of any issues really here, but maybe you have, but more importantly, just awareness law enforcement civility um i i assume that our police officers uh you know we live in a youthful community because of the campus um we live in a community that is um has many different opinions because it's a campus um We've had special training, haven't we? We have. Um, and I, I can't remember when this was, Dave, but there was a uh, an opportunity to screen a project. It's a virtual reality project on, to your point, that was put together by the Voinovich School um, along with the Grid Lab, uh, the former uh, state director for public safety, John Bourne, uh, director Bourne, uh, he has been involved in this project. Uh, it's pretty fascinating to where you put on these 3D goggles and you are immersed in um, one of two different vignettes that they have created at this point in time. And one of them is a uh, a vignette that includes uh, a, a young black individual, a graduate student, um, and it was in a bar setting and an altercation that took place, and it kind of shows uh, the way, the the way, incorrect way in which an officer officer should be addressing and engaging with this individual, versus a more compassionate uh, way of engaging, a more civil way to engage with an individual. Right. And I I got to uh, go through the screening of us, and I was certainly impressed with the way they have put this together. So yes, our officers, not only Athens PD, but uh, OU PD will be going through that that uh, training. Uh, there are certainly other trainings that our, our police department has gone through as well as Ohio University Police Department. Uh, most notably a course that was five weeks long um, or across the course of five weeks that 
they uh, it was a course put on by four faculty at Ohio University. They developed the curriculum or the content uh, to understand systemic racism, uh, both with law enforcement, with the judicial system, with the healthcare system. It was pretty um, a pretty broad spectrum. Uh, and, and, you know, understanding the history of systemic racism. So they've gone through that as well uh, and will continue to improve that that course. So there's a lot that the, our police departments are going through right now, Dave. Changing one more time. Sure. Paving. You know, the city, uh, every uh, spring, they sort of uh, a group, I used to be on it, we would drive through different parts of the city that were being recommended for uh, being repaved during that summer um, and maybe we knew of some places ourselves that hadn't been thought of and then a plan would come up. Uh, how far along are we with the execution of the Springs plan? Um, I believe we are pretty far along Dave with that with the street repaving. I noticed last week if not the week before I was driving down Columbus Road and looked over and the uh, crews were laying new asphalt on Sunset, you know, okay. sun, right there by Dairy Queen. Mm -hmm. So that was a street that really needed some, uh, needed to be repaved as were some of the streets off of Mill Street. Um, I think Oak and Hawking were two streets that were repaved down in that area and needed it. Uh, and there's many more. Um, so I think that we're pretty far along in that street repaving process for the summer of 2021. Well, we have um, two minutes. Uh, you want to tell some jokes, or <laughs> you want? No, I'm I'm joking, of course. But do you? Is there something we've left off that you think we should bring up? Well, you know, I had a really interesting interesting conversation with Governor Dewine last Friday. Uh, myself and uh, seven other mayors from across the state um, of cities that are comparable size to Athens. And, you know, it was um, it was pretty fruitful. It was a listening tour for the governor. He wanted to know how things were going and and what we needed as communities. And uh, certainly a, a number of different topics came up to include, uh, you know, this uh, a, a bill in uh, that's working its way through or, or was struck down but you know who knows things can always change at the state level we've got one minute where uh, you know people who are commuting into the city to work but don't live in the city you know being uh, uh, not being taxed mm. uh, that would be immensely difficult for the city of Athens if that were the case so but there was a number of other things that the governor was interested in uh, that we were sharing with him and me I was sitting there talking about our census counts that's not a state thing but certainly wanted him to be aware well, um, as always, um, it's always a pleasure to have you out here monthly, and um, I'm glad that your girls are well again. Thanks, Dave. And um, let's keep Athens um, safe as we can. Let's. Please, wear a mask, get vaccinated. I'm, uh, you know, it's hard to eat through a mask. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I've been handling it all right. Scott, anything you got to add? Um, eat up. Through mask or no mask. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The number of incidents involving rowdy airline passengers surged during the pandemic. Airline industry officials are on Capitol Hill set to testify. FAA Administrator Steve Dixon spoke exclusively to CBS's Errol Barnett. The fines that we have publicized, over a million dollars in fines so far. Uh, and the communication that we've done with the public have driven those rates down, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Southwest and American have both stopped alcohol sales. A majority of Americans may soon be eligible for Pfizer's COVID booster shots. The FDA is recommending them for anyone over 65 at high risk, including people with obesity, and for health care workers. Correspondent Weijia Jang on what happens next. 
A panel of advisors to the CDC has to vote on who is eligible to get them before the government makes them available. And then the CDC director has to formally adopt the recommendations, but the White House expects shots to start going into arms by the end of the week. Many of the 15,000 migrants at the Texas border have now been deported to Haiti. The U.S. envoy to that country has just resigned in protest. Correspondent Cammie McCormick. Ambassador Daniel Foote in his resignation letter said he would not be associated with what he called this country's inhumane decision to deport thousands of Haitian refugees to a country where he said American officials are confined to secure compounds because of the dangers. He said the people of Haiti, mired in poverty and hostage to terror, kidnappings and massacres, could not support these returned migrants, and he called it